0: You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Hartigan Estates invites you to poker in the ears.
1: Hello, my babies, and welcome to poker in the ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife. Here's James Hartigan.
2: Happy birthday, Joe.
1: Uh, coming up on today's show, it has been one of the best weeks of my life, and that is including the fact that I won. Sorry, didn't win <laughs> a Global Poker Award for best broadcaster. You know what? I'm more uh, annoyed by that than I thought I was going to be. Oh, come on. Uh, I am. I, but I thought it was going to be zero. And it's not zero is what I'm saying. So um, I'm not saying I'm So you're saying annoyed. that the
2: Global Poker Awards play no part in you having an amazing week. Instead, it was the fact that you got to watch Battlefield Earth.
1: That is exactly what has nothing to do with the fact that I'm literally making my own movie. Not my own movie, but participating in making a movie. Uh, Yeah, I had an amazing week here in Mississippi slash New Orleans working on the card counter. Uh, More than one fun anecdote from the set of this movie. Yes, there will be name dropping. Yes, there will be humble and not so humble brags. But... That's it, guys. It's happening. What what can I tell you? Uh, The Global Poker Awards did happen, and I did not win. But in a way, James kind of won. And in a way, all of us here at PokerStars won. And it only cost about $10 million or so. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) all the recap. Will be happening from the awards. Uh, we'll be talking to one of the winners, one of my favorite people in poker, a guy who does a lot for the industry, uh, and is kind of keeps a low profile about it, I think. Jonathan Little will be joining us to talk about his win and also maybe just a teeny little bit of Survivor. Jonathan was there uh on my other show when we had the Survivor Poker Players uh, uh come on the show, and they made that Survivor Poker Players Alliance. James, are you aware of how big this is on this season of Survivor?
2: No, and I have no interest whatsoever. (laughs) Um, I did reference it already. The trend of being forced by our listeners to watch terrible movies continues. This week, uh, we're going to be joined by Darren Curtis, who is a Kiwi living in Japan, who selected Battlefield Earth as his specialist subject. Now, going in, Joe, we knew this was going to be painful. Yeah, It was worse than I could have possibly imagined.
1: Here's my first question before we get into it. How do you rate it between Pooh Hall Junkies, Hudson Hawk, and this? Because I actually put it, obviously, uh, I put it above Hudson Hawk.
2: I think this is worse than anything we've had to watch. I actually believe this could be one of the worst films I've ever seen. It has zero redeeming features. Hudson Hawk looks like Godfather Part 2 compared to this shit. <laughs> Everything about this film sucks. I had to watch it in four installments. I literally could not bring myself to watch 30 minutes without rage quitting it.
1: I obviously did not care for this movie. Obviously, I found this movie to be more entertainingly bad than I found Hudson Hawk to be. Like, I thought this movie did have some it's-so-bad-it's-good moments. So many moments of um what just happened and why am I watching this and what is going... like? Oh, we- what is
2: going on is the question that you will find yourself asking literally every two minutes. There are massive gaps in the story that make no sense. There is... Very little continuity, in fact, between one shot and another. Everything is clunky. The dialogue is appalling. The performances are over the top. The direction is horrific. It looks like it's been cut worse than pool junkies. So
1: I I did focus a little bit more on the writing of this movie uh, for one particular reason. And I didn't think, look, the first installment, when I first started watching, I was like, actually, I don't think the writing is that bad. In this, but the direction, the the choice of every shot taking place at a canted angle uh, for Dutch some angle. reason, whatever the fuck that is, I have no idea. It's it makes it very difficult to watch. And then slowly over the course of the movie, I was like, oh no way! Even the writing now is no. devolving into some. Um... No and one so James... comes away
2: from this unscathed. No one. The director, no. the cinematographer, the actors, the writers. Everyone is tarred with the same dirty brush.
1: And speaking of writers, James, I told you there was going to be name dropping in this episode of the show. I have the writer of the movie right here on the line, no. J.D. Shapiro.
0: What is up, my dude? Hey, thank you very much for having me. This is weird. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's a little weird that we just randomly were able to connect with you. Thank you. Like Again, I'm just going to say thank you, first of all, because you know why we want to talk to you.
0: Um, I think it's about, uh, something called, uh, a movie battlefield earth and poker
1: battlefield earth. Yeah. So let's get the formality out of the way first. You have put <laughs> poker into some of your other scripts, uh, none in battlefield earth that I could tell, but also there might've been because there's a lot going on there.
0: Yeah. Uh, I tried to sneak it in battlefield earth, but they, you know, they, they, they cut out anything that was good in the movie. So they, <laughs> there's no way they're going to keep poker.
2: Okay, I need, to, I need to know the story. How the hell did this film come about and how on earth did you end up working on it?
0: Well, the film came about because L. Ron Baby wanted this, his book made into a movie ever since he wrote the book. I got involved really because I wanted to get laid. <laughs> um, <laughs> once again, my penis by got so- me in wait, trouble. By
1: someone specific or just you thought if you wrote this movie you would get laid by many people?
0: Well, it was like many women, because what I had read an article about the Church of Scientology and the guy who wrote it said it's a great place to go and get laid. So <laughs> I had a friend who was a Scientologist and I, and always wanted me to go to Celebrity Center. Actually, the Celebrity Center, they said, was a great place to go. So, James, and, I actually
1: live two doors down from the Celebrity Center in Los Angeles. Oh, so, um, well, yeah. there
0: you go. See if you if you just walk by you'll you'll meet a lot of women they'll try and convert you but then you explain to them you only be converted if you have sex. <laughs> okay, so this is, and then you write a screenplay, and then I was asked. Um, uh, there were uh, Travolta was a big fan of a script i had written uh, at Warner Brothers called Blast Off. And, uh, and then he approached me first with a, with a different movie that we set up at Miramax, and then he came to me with Battlefield Earth.
1: What we end up seeing on the screen, how close is that to what you wrote?
0: It's very, very, very... Different. (laughs) Completely (laughs) different. (laughs) What happened was, is I wrote a script that John Travolta called, and this is going to sound ridiculous to anyone who's seen the movie, he called it the uh, Schindler's List of Sci-Fi. Oh, God. (laughs) now oh, actually now but but as crazy as that sounds to john's credit he didn't know i'd actually watched all these documentaries about the nazi regime before i wrote the script because i felt there was a, there was a parallel it was kind of like a planet of the apes type of thing but taken over by these cyclos that uh, came from another planet and so i was using that in the script so it was a completely different script and john at the time actually was playing uh, the good guy um uh, wow, I forget his name. Johnny. Johnny I blocked it out. Johnny, yeah, John was gonna play
2: Johnny. By the way, I theory is just a quick yeah. aside, JD. It's forty-five minutes into the movie when you finally learn his name.
0: Yeah, I, I never watched the whole movie. I walked out on the premiere. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. I couldn't I couldn't take it. I mean, and I wasn't the only one, by the way. Well, I mean I, I walked out for a while, I went back in. But I haven't seen the whole movie. But is it is it, it does it take that long? Yeah, I mean I didn't have d- well, Dutch tilts. Haven't done that since like college. I didn't have dreadlocks and kiss boots. I mean I could go on and on and on. Wow. So uh, uh, eventually, what happened was was just what happened was I I wrote my draft. Everyone was excited. We had three very huge directors that were interested, and then suddenly I got notes from MGM at the time, which was a studio. And I caught up the president, Mike Marcus, and I'm like, this is a joke, right? And he's like, no, these are the notes. I'm like, well, it's going to kill the movie. I won't do them. So I was fired. And then they brought on what we call, in Hollywood, a pencil. Uh, a pencil is somebody who will just do what the studio wants them to do, has no conviction, is not a very good writer. And so that's what happened. And then the movie went from MGM to Fox. My friend Joey DeMarco, who who's no longer with us, and he's the first person I ever played a big poker game with, but he calls me up and he said, uh, they were thinking about doing my script, but they felt there was too much controversy with the Church of Scientology, so they're putting in turnaround, and that's when Ili Samaha picked it up, and the rest was history.
2: That is incredible. Am I right in thinking that you actually attended the Golden Raspberry Awards that year and collected the award for worst screenplay?
0: I Actually, that year... Uh, I missed the awards, but they came on a radio show and gave it to me. But it was 10 years later, it was awarded the worst movie of the decade. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, I w- yeah, I went, Sandra Bullock collected her award that year, and I collected my that year, which is highly unusual for them. But yes, I did. So <laughs> you, you take this incredibly well, and I guess
1: part of the reason you can is because what people are seeing is not really what you wrote. Um, do, does it ever get hurtful, or do you ever get, Offended by people talking about this movie, even though you have at this point just pretty much only a name connection to it.
0: I I do get offended when people come up to me and say they liked it. Other than that, it it does. I mean, it 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 has. I'm sure it's hurt my career in some ways because no one wants to go to a party, you know, in Hollywood. So many deals, you know, people want to brag and they're like, "Oh, I got the, I got a great writer for my new movie." And it's like, "Oh, what did he write?" And, uh, "Oh, uh, Battlefield Earth." So <laughs> <laughs> that that hasn't been good. Oh, and by the way, this year the Razzies are going to be on TV unless it gets postponed this Saturday and I was gonna fly in and present two awards, but with everything going on, I'm not, so I pre-recorded something that will be on the Razzies presenting the worst screenplay award for uh, 2019.
2: Oh, cool. I mean, the weird thing is, I guess, if you boil it down to the kind of roots of what the story is, I guess what the premise is, okay, it's nothing particularly original, but there is some substance there. You could actually get a decent story out of the base material.
0: But was it, it, the book is like over a thousand pages. And there really was, I thought, a really compelling story, which is why I, I decided to do it. I had to condense it. I changed i changed a lot of things from the book. So the book is good. The book is okay. What's interesting, I'm convinced the book is written by more than one writer. Because if you look at shifts in the book, bu- I read it three times. And I started to see a pattern of shifts. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like the same, same voice. This doesn't sound like the same voice. But the book had enough in it. That not only could have been a good movie, but we had talked about sequels and prequels. If the movie had succeeded, it probably would have become a TV series in today's world. But it was so bad. I actually, after the premiere, I called up the producer, Ily Samaha, on Monday, and I said, listen, here's the deal. Add three musical numbers to it, (laughs) show it on Friday nights, and it will be a huge hit. Yeah. Right. Like Rocky Horror. cult. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because you had this thing called bango, which was his food. You could throw at the screen. You had the wigs. You had the kiss boots. People could dress up. Yes, But yeah, Ily hung up on me.
2: Oh, is it too late? Can we somehow get the rights to this movie and make that happen?
0: Uh, Comedy Central tried to get the rights to air it on Comedy Central. And uh, uh, my understanding is the church vetoed that. So I don't (laughs) know. I don't think it's
1: actually not super easy to track down. Like I thought it was going to be easy. The only place I could get it was Amazon. And that even I had to like go through the website. Like I couldn't even like rent it on Prime now. Like it's not on iTunes. It's actually kind of buried.
0: Um. You know, I I, I see that as a major plus for the world and humanity as it is. Um, (laughs) uh, I hope hope it's under the comedy section.
1: Look, this this uh, interview has been pure comedy based on two of the ideas and jokes you've had alone. I'm certain that you are a a much better writer than people would give you credit for uh, having seen this before we let you go. Let's uh, tell us about. Something that you're working on currently, or what? What's something uh, that you're proud of that we can direct people to to throw a little good goodwill your way?
0: Okay, well, I have a new book out called Think Like a Man: The Only Guide You'll Ever Need, and it actually just received uh, a review where it said it's one of the forty-nine books people should read in two thousand and twenty. So, Think Like a Man: The Only Guide you Ever Need, and that's in bookstores everywhere and online and in Kindle. The other thing is a movie, which actually ties into poker is Knights of the not Star round Table. And you might enjoy this. So I have, it, it's a spoof on the on the uh, Arthurian legend, but at one point, Sir Lance Around the Lot, who's a knight, invents <laughs> a game called Knights, which is five-card stud. But throughout the movie, all the characters keep changing who wins. You know, the knights are the best cards, then a one-eyed jack, because there's a one-eyed joker in the uh, movie, then the king. But the queen, Gwenarier, who's horny all the time, turns it into... Uh, strip nights, but at the end, the winner gets to poke her, have sex with her. So the game, the name of the game, eventually becomes called poker. Poke, p o c k e her. The alternative history I... of the birth of poker. I'm yeah, trying I... my best.
1: I don't think I ever even told you the name of this show. JD is called Poker in the Ears.
0: No, I can't So this, maybe I can get you guys in the spoof if you know, if um right now, I just finished the script, but I, it goes into it takes place. The idea is that we found the lost footage that existed. It's a. it's a found <laughs> footage movie, of five twenty four a d. So this <laughs> is the real, true, authentic story. but i I have like people. I have some modern time stuff. Um, there was a movie made. Like in the '60s, I think uh, uh, John Landis' first movie called *Kentucky Fried Movie*, and that was this has a lot of this has a lot of crazy influences from that, and certainly Monty Python.
1: Well, I am now a credited poker consultant, if you need one, because of our there mutual friend Lauren. She has got me here working on her latest movie. So, hey, man, I'm all about it. JD, thanks so much for joining us. This was a blast. This was had was way more fun and a bigger poker connection than I could have possibly expected. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, guys. I had a good time, and I appreciate it, and good luck with everything you guys are doing. Poker in the Ears
2: well, that was an utterly surreal experience, having the writer of the movie on the Mm -hmm. podcast. It it reminded me of that scene in Annie Hall where those people in the line are talking about Marshall McLuhan and Woody Allen's like, well, I happen to have Marshall McLuhan right here. And he's like, if only life could be like this. That's what you just did. You basically just Annie Halled the situation.
1: James, my Hollywood connections. No, no bounds anymore that's it
2: that is true okay so let's talk more hollywood let's talk about the card counter because obviously you told us some stories about the film last week um is your work on the film now done my
1: bits are mostly done basically i will say this that like paul schrader uh, james as you know is like a, a fairly unique filmmaker and so uh there's a lot of what's going on that i don't i don't um Understand, right? Like, I don't know what his vision is. So, there are lots of poker scenes that we've shot. All the poker scenes are done. Yes. Uh, I think we're going to have to go back one day and do like flop shot type of stuff. Right. And I don't think I will be here for that um, because they're going to do it next week and I just can't spend a third week here. Um, and they don't, to be honest, they don't really need me for that. Um, I would prefer to be here, but, I, you know, I've got another gig. I got to get to Fargo. So, Yes. um,
2: The key question is, when I say is your work now done, is your involvement limited to being on the set during principal photography? Do you think there's any chance they will bring you back during post-production? Because when they start stitching stuff together, they might want your advice on whether the narrative they've constructed makes sense.
1: I think that that, that there's a, a strong likelihood that that will, that my involvement will still continue in this movie. I, I'm not needed on set anymore. Basically um, all of the rest of the scenes that have to be filmed do not involve poker. So um, yeah. So last week you got, you know, thanks a lot, James last week for covering for me and, and handling things with Elliot. You're welcome. Um, they, they had a, <laughs> they had a happy birthday. Uh, they had a huge poker day uh, that day And um, basically, it was just, you know, it was like, you know, 8 a.m. call time and just all kinds of poker scenes. Uh, They put me in the movie, which is pretty cool. Um, No speaking lines, but uh, assuming the scene I'm in doesn't get cut. Um, uh, you will be able to see me fairly prominently in the movie. I finished second.
2: Oh, wow. I was going to say, tournament. is there anything you can tell us about your character? I appreciate the there's no dialogue, but were you able to bring any of your personality or, or play a certain persona?
1: Uh, not really. I more or less, um, basically, the person who ends up being Oscar Isaac's poker nemesis wins a tournament in the background, and I'm the runner-up. Uh, finisher, and what's really funny is they were they wanted to shoot like a scene at, at, as this guy's like walking out sort of like arms raised in victory, and they wanted me to walk out ahead of him, you know like as you might you know leave the tournament area slightly ahead of the winner um, and I was like, oh man there's just there's no way I can get cut out of this movie after this shot, and literally. Before they could even shoot it, they were like, actually, we don't need you to do oh, that. We're just going to have the winner no. walk out. So as soon as I had that thought in my head, I did get cut out. But I think I'll still be in the, in the background winning, uh, not winning, but finishing second in this. I was so incredibly stressed out on this day because uh, I, not only am I the poker consultant, I'm like kind of the only person keeping track of the poker stuff. Um, it, which is like a pretty big undertaking, especially yeah. that, you know, the, the, the movie doesn't live or die by my approval. Right. So like a lot of times I'm like, you know, just sort of trying to get my, my information out there while they're creating art. You know what I mean? Like nobody really likes the, the guy being like, ah, oh, skills me," but, uh, there's a, there's a card kind of curled over there, that kind of thing. So um, I'm like running around stressed out And Tiffany Haddish Who is the uh, the co-star of this movie Notices this And decides she is going to um it's, Make it her goal To raise my stress level From an 8 to a 10 Nice And she keeps moving chips around And asking me what happens If she puts them in her pockets And I'm in no Like look Nothing would make me happier Than to hang out And like goof off with Tiffany Haddish, but all I can manage is please don't do that. Please, please don't do that. Please. uh, Can you please not do that? And everyone's laughing and having a grand old time at her trying to make my job harder. That day ended up becoming really fun eventually because when they moved on or they shot reverses, right? So they, you know, there was poker happening in the background. And then when they shoot the foreground from the opposite angle, there's no poker needed. So, uh, Oscar Isaac is sitting in a 2 4 limit game. It's the only thing they're spreading in the middle of the daytime in this casino where we're shooting. And he's like, come play poker with me. So me and Oscar Isaac played 2 4 limit for like five hours. Um, and he's like running back and forth between takes. Like they're using him and then he's coming over and playing limit for like a couple hands. Then they put him back in. Really fun day. Um, it was so funny. Most of the people here in Mississippi at the table did not know who he was. Really? They like, yeah.
2: Are you telling me that they did not go to see Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch at the cinema?
1: <laughs> Wait, is Oscar Isaac in Sucker Punch? Oh, he's he a is. bad guy, right? Yes, he is. He's like an evil, and so is John Ham. I've played I've played poker with two of those guys now, two of the evil villains from Sucker Punch. I forgot about that. I would have brought it up. Okay, so we're at the table, and like words, like slowly getting around the table, that he's not just in the movie; like he's a movie star, and people are starting to be like, "What's he in? What's he in?" They're like asking me, and we're at opposite ends of the, the table. The biggest
2: fucking movie franchise in the world, you dullards!
1: Exactly, and so this happens. This woman's at the table, and I tell her, "Have you never, like, have you never seen Star Wars?" And she turns. And she looks him dead in the eye and she goes, I don't like those movies. <laughs> and he just has like the biggest smile on his face. And he's like, that's OK. It's OK to not like those movies. Super funny. Um, we, uh, I lost my ass playing two, four, I'm, of course, I'm just going to like lose as much money as humanly possible for as long as Oscar wants to sit and play poker with me. Um, I love playing a game of poker where every single old lady in Mississippi hit the, these, these women, James, who are playing this game with us hit no fewer than 11,000 flushes yeah. against me playing, playing limit poker.
2: Sounds like just about right.
1: every single time there's a flush draw, I'm like, Oh, you got there you got there. Oh, it's eight bucks to pay you off. Fine. Set cracked. Cool. Kings cracked. Cool. Um, but eventually towards the end of the night, we were even wrapped for the day and Oscar continued playing. And at this point I had lost my seat because I was, I was working uh, while the movie star was getting to hang out and play poker. And I would try to get a, a seat back in the game and I couldn't, but when I walked to the, over the table. Oscar is sitting next to this dude. And as I walk up, this dude's like. Oh my God, Joe Stapleton and Oscar (laughs) had been sitting next to him for hours and had gone unacknowledged. This guy named Ronnie and Ronnie's wife is like, stop it. Leave him alone. Leave Joe Stapleton alone. And Oscar is cracking up, cracking up at the fact that, um, this guy has no idea who he is, but is a big fan of mine. Too good. Um, so we had to know-it-all the first day of shooting. We had to know-it-all the second day of shooting. Bizarrely enough, I went and spent the weekend in New Orleans just to sort of get away for a couple days. Run into that guy in a bar in New Orleans.
2: Major glitch,
1: super glitchy. Although I guess like the film, the film community here is like kind of burgeoning. Uh, there's like a lot of stuff that shoots in Mississippi, New Orleans. So I guess this. Uh, apparently this, uh, apparently if you're like a, a day player actor around here, it's like really easy to find work. Um, the coolest thing so far though. Um, now I did shoot the final scenes. I want to talk about that next week. Cause I've droned on enough and, uh, we've got, <laughs> we've got air time to fill next week. Uh, so I'll talk about the final progress scenes then, but on Sunday, uh, as we came back from new Orleans, Tiffany sent out a message. Everyone said, Hey, Everyone the cast and crew is invited to my house uh, where I'm staying here in Mississippi. It's a potluck. Everyone brings some food. Really lovely gesture. She was awesome. She hung out uh, all day, uh, engaged every single person, was just like the best host, was the sort of, you know, you hear things about certain celebrities and you hear things about Tiffany, about just what a gracious, fantastic uh, human, she is, and she really did come through. Uh, Oscar came. Willem Dafoe eventually came. Uh, he hung out with everybody. Just went around and acted. What I really like about um, these guys is they they at least know what people are expecting of them. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying it's not genuine, but at the bare minimum, they're they're doing it right. They're they're showing up. They're shaking everybody's hands. They're having a good time really cool day i couldn't even believe it um that that this day happened so really fun day had a very stressful couple of days that i will get to next time but um the whole world is stressed out yeah right now james
2: um i was gonna ask what is the whole bringing up the dreaded c word what is the whole reaction to coronavirus where you are right now in that part of the world
1: look we're we're Mostly joking about it, not to say that it's not serious, because I do believe it to be serious. And I think that most people do believe it to be serious. Um, as you know, James, I tend to cope with things through humor. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of us in the business your business, my business, the entertainment business the show must go on in some ways yep. they're in the middle of making this movie right like there's very little chance they've got one week left to go there's very little chance people are gonna stop making this movie but you know everyone is like it's time it's time to start actually locking things down to stop going to things to to do what we can to to stop this from spreading it's uh you know we're all we're all like Uh, I don't know how you say, optimistic, but also knowing that there's a lot of work to be done regarding
2: this. For sure. It's just so weird to me the way that it is escalating and developing so quickly. And
1: I've had to tell a couple people off who are just like, oh, this is overhyped. Oh, don't believe the media hype. The real the real danger here is buying into the hype. And look, do I think we should be panicking No, that's not helpful. But for people who aren't taking this seriously, they can fuck right the fuck off.
2: Well, there's so much ignorance and stupidity out there, and I don't want to comment on half the stuff that's being said on social media. But the problem is all the people who are complaining about the fact that it's an overreaction and the media are getting their knickers in a twist. These are exactly the same people. Who, at the end of this, when we are assessing the impact on our lives, the number of people who've been affected, the number of people who've died, and the effect on the global economy, these will be the same people saying, why don't we do more? What do we do to stop this? Yeah. You should have taken more action. And it's a really weird one, right? That the whole point of taking action is to try to prevent a global you'll pandemic. Know,
1: you'll never know the, the results of your actions working.
2: Correct. Precisely. And that's the problem. So if you do successfully contain, people will say it was a storm in a teacup, you overreacted. Correct. Whereas actually, no, by bringing in those measures quickly enough, you were successful. I mean, These clearly, people,
1: they're, they're real diseases. They're fucking idiots, James.
2: Well, clearly this is impacting every single facet of our lives. And yeah. obviously the poker industry is affected as well. I'm sure everyone has seen Over the last couple of weeks, numerous poker events around the world have been either postponed or cancelled. Just today, Lex Veldhaus confirmed that Lex Live 3 will not be taking place in April. Um, Over the weekend, PokerStars announced that many of its European events, the Road to PSPC events, have also been cancelled. And no doubt, there'll be more cancellations to follow from operators around the world in the coming days and weeks. I don't think we have seen the end of this for sure. Let's focus on positive news from the world of online poker. Uh, The Sunday Million Anniversary is coming up in a few weeks. And I want to highlight something that's happening this Sunday. The Sunday Storm, Joe. I know it's been a while since you've been in a part of the world where you can actually play real money poker. Do you remember how much the Sunday Storm cost to play? $11. Correct. So this week, and for one week only, that is Sunday the 15th of March, Everyone who does not cash the Sunday Storm, so everyone who busts before they're in the money, will receive an $11 Sunday Million Anniversary satellite ticket. So effectively, if you play the Sunday Storm this week, you're free-rolling. Because if you don't make the top 15 percent, if you don't make the money, you're effectively getting your money back by virtue of receiving this $11 satellite ticket for the huge Sunday million anniversary, which is the following Sunday, the 22nd, with the $12.5 million guarantee.
1: Did you see Brian Koppelman's tweet? I was thinking of saying something similar where he said uh, now, you know, they will sometimes grant compassionate care laws where you know like obviously like some places they legalize marijuana right because it helps with certain ailments he was like they should legalize online poker in america just so that we don't have to get together and play poker anymore it makes way too much sense for my government to ever do it but it's an interesting idea
2: uh well let's stay in the states because there was a big event last friday event recap. Event Recap. Yes, the second annual Global Poker Awards at the PokerGo Studio at ARIA in Vegas last Friday. We're going to get to the winners in just a moment, but first we have to address the elephant in the room. Joey's not happy.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, it's not that I'm not happy. I just, no, I'm not happy. We can we can say I'm not happy. Um, basically, here's what happened. I didn't think I was going to care. I was out in New Orleans. I was having a grand old time. I, I was at, at a, uh, like a, a chicken spot in new Orleans with my girlfriend and my phone rings and it's Maria ho and Maria had been hosting the awards. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if Maria is calling me to tell me that I won."
2: Oh, cause that's exactly where your brain would go.
1: Well, why else would she be calling me? Like what, what to me, it seemed like it was during the awards. It was like 7 PM. No, it was probably a little later. It was like 9 p.m. in New Orleans time, which is 7 p.m. Las Vegas. So I was like, oh, maybe I won. So I I like stand up. I show my, I was like, I'm going to step out. And I went out to the street. I'm on Bourbon Street, right? Like surrounded by like boobies and beads and people drinking beer. And it turns out Maria just wanted to give me a debrief of how it went. You know, she asked, she ran some jokes by me, that kind of thing. So I was like, hard to hide my disappointment. Um, that was like, Oh, is, is this why you're calling? Okay, fine. And all I can say is, Hey, Nick Shulman, he works a very difficult 20 day a year schedule. <laughs> and so it is, you know, he obviously, he's still, he's still, I look, I host 11 different poker shows a month and he's still better than me. Uh, which it's is, about
2: quality, not quantity, Joe.
1: I guess I guess I you would think that instead of doing 20 really amazing days of broadcasting every year you would th- every year you would think that my 400 days of mediocre commentary would somehow eclipse Next 20 really great days. I don't know. That's just, I don't know. The math seems odd there for me.
2: I genuinely thought that Jamie Kirsten had this one in the bag. She did win in another category, which brings us to the winners in the major categories at the Global Poker Awards. We discussed the nominations a few weeks ago. Um, This is incredible. And I know this is not based on any jury or any voting. This is actually based on rankings and results. But to see Alex Foxen and Kristen Bicknell win Male Player of the Year and female player of the year for the second year running. And the fact that they are a couple is just so bizarre.
1: It is very bizarre. It's, it's bizarre, first of all, for, for two people to win back-to-back, uh, for one person to win back-to-back, then for it to be two people back-to-back, and then for them to be a couple is insane. I, it is aspirational in a way, right? Like, James, you and I are not aspirational poker players, but many of the people... Who listen to this podcast are and if you're the kind of person that aspires to be number one on the gpi and you're part of a poker playing couple like how cool is this how cool is it that you sit down with your girlfriend or your wife or your husband or boyfriend whoever it is and you're like wouldn't it be cool if we were like a poker power couple and these two are fucking doing it so congratulations to them and both of them really likable real you know they're 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 darlings Love those guys. Congrats.
2: Okay, so then we come to tournament of the year, and obviously we're biased here. Really wanted the PSPC to win. It was a very special event. It was a year of excitement in giving away those platinum passes and building up to something that had never been done before. I did cynically think that the usual thing would happen and the World Series of Poker main event would win. Delighted that the Pokemon played. Wait, Star you players- really?
1: Th- yeah, I You did. really thought that this- there's no way this couldn't win? Dude, come on. All the added money... A million extra for, first, I mean, look, we, we, we beat it to death while it was happening, but, like, I I knew this was a lock, and um, I don't know if I was allowed to vote in this category or not. I feel like I was allowed to vote, but maybe couldn't vote for this. I don't know. This, I was, there was no chance this was not winning.
2: Okay, well, huge success and a great Congrats, result. Congrats, by for, the
1: way, to everyone
2: involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Jamie Kerstetter did win Twitter Personality of the Year, and again, I think her humor is always on point and a deserve victory.
1: Yeah, no, this, this is definitely a deserving When I, uh, you know, I think I can only think of one other person even nominated in the category is Kitty Quo. Um, I'm no offense to the other people nominated. Uh, th- this is Jamie's wheelhouse broadcaster, tough category, right? You've got, sorry to, but me, you've got Nick, you've got Jeff Platt, really tough category. I really think there was a ton of votes split there. Um, Jamie genuinely, I think, is the best Twitter personality. If I had to name someone for any of the other categories, I'd have a hard time. I'd go, well, you got this person or that person or it's hard to think of it. If you told me off the top of your head who is the best person at Poker Twitter, I would have said Jamie, hands down. And I actually think in some ways um, it's a better award to win because it's you. Right. You you know, when you're a broadcaster, you're working for somebody else. You're delivering their message. You might be reserved like Jamie can't be herself 100 percent when she's live on ESPN. So I think in a way this is an even better award to win. Congrats, Jamie. Definitely well-deserved.
2: Streamer of the Year saw Lex Veldhaus beat Spraggy to the title. And I can only think what is going on in Spraggy's head right now.
1: I'll tell you what's going on in said head. It's what's going on in Joe Stapleton's head when he loses to Nick Shulman. It's like, well, clearly, <laughs> clearly this guy is better than me. But fuck, man, I'm still pretty good, too. Uh,
2: no real shock that Andrew Nemi won Vlogger of the Year again. Um, so the weird thing is, when the awards were announced, I saw a headline. I can't remember whether it was on the Pokestars blog or another Poker News site. And it said... There was success for poker stars in a number of categories, including Podcast of the Year. And I got ridiculously overexcited and I thought, I didn't even think we were nominated. And then I actually read and it's Jennifer Shahadi, who happens to be sponsored by PokerStars, who won an award for her podcast.
1: Man, PokerStars, what the fuck, man? You got to take credit for everything? I mean, come on, seriously. You're number one in the business. Like, you know, it's like, oh, remember remember, Jen Shahadi? Yeah, yeah, no, that's ours. That's our podcast. That's us. We <laughs> did that.
2: Uh, so congratulations to Jen for winning that award for The Grid. Uh, Stephen Chidwick was voted player's choice for toughest opponent. No kidding. Um, so Joe Ingram won two awards. He was nominated for four, so fifty percent's not bad. He'll take two out of four. Uh, he won Journalist of the Year. I still have a problem with him being in that category, but that's by the by. He thoroughly deserved the award for Media Content for of the sure. Year video. Sure. His investigative work into the Mike Postle allegations; those videos were incredibly watchable. Great detective work by Joey. Um, talking of media, and, and con-
1: also, and also, just the sheer amount of work he had to put in. To make those videos, the hours of footage, the analyzing, the edit, all of that. Yes, totally agree there.
2: Sure. Uh, and while we're on the subject of media content of the year, the award for written content went to Martin Harris, uh, a regular writer for the Stars blog, who has written uh, this book about poker and popular culture. And definitely was on the agenda as a potential guest for this week but i think you hit the nail on the head joe this guy probably deserves an episode in his own right because we love talking about movies we love talking about poker in pop culture he would be the perfect guest for us
1: yeah we're gonna get him for sure in the next couple of months um and also he's probably my like top five people favorite people in poker uh just absolutely adore that guy super happy for him and that was a, that's a tough category also for yeah. him to have come out on top there. That's a really tough category. There's a lot of great poker writers out there.
2: And in all honesty, I don't want to have Martin on the show until I've actually had the chance to read his book. And I do want to read his book, and that will give me the incentive to actually get through it.
1: I was thinking maybe once we start reading it, maybe even we could do our deep dive sort of thing, maybe even a chapter at a time. You know, if there's a chunk of the book. Well, look. That's worth discussing. And maybe we do like a book club thing where the audience. That's exactly what I was going to
2: say. We do our Poker Movie Monday on a Wednesday, which is a kind of like movie club where we encourage everyone to watch a film that we're going to discuss. Maybe we do turn Poker in the Ears into a book club podcast.
1: You can't catch a virus from a book.
2: That's not strictly true. Depends who else has touched the book, Joe. You're
1: unlikely to catch, you're incredibly unlikely to catch a virus from ordering Martin's book and reading it along with it.
2: Especially if you wash your hands after touching it. Uh, (laughs) The Poker Icon Award was presented to Johnny Chan, and then there were the People's Choice Awards. The People's Choice for Hand of the Year went to Ryan Reese making a 10-high call at EPT Monte Carlo. My
1: second loss of the night. Was I was like, oh, that that hand won, and I see it's like I look, I forgot anyway. I see it's like a Poker Stars hand, and I go to watch it. I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. James's voice, James's voice, James's voice. I hope I don't say anything stupid during this. James's voice. Oh, it's Fenton.
2: Just to be clear, Joe, when they present this award, it goes to Ryan Reese for playing a hand particularly well. No, no, I no. I no, don't no. think they really care about who was talking over it.
1: I, I, I agree that it is certainly secondary and maybe a distant second, but I stand by the fact that without the production, without you and Fenton doing a great job, by the way, I was disappointed to not be attached to it voice-wise. I think that adds to it. Um, I think if there were lesser commentary less uh in a in a on a stream that was get that gets less attention i think maybe it doesn't end up being the winner so congrats to all involved with that as well because i'm still whether my voice is on there or not i'm still very proud of the product we put out there when we do our live stream so and also congrats ryan reese i guess
2: and last but by no means least the people's choice for poker personality of the year presented to jonathan little and as we've been mentioning Jonathan is this week's guest. I can't believe we haven't had him on the podcast already. Thrilled to speak to him. Welcome to Poker in the Years. Jonathan Little.
3: Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And congratulations. Thank you. What did I win? A- an award. Come on. I did. I won the poker personality of the year somehow. People think I have a personality, or at least we tricked <laughs> them into thinking that. So that's
1: lucky. Thanks to everyone who helped me win. And uh, I think personality and jonathan little go hand in hand
3: thank you joe
1: jonathan did you let me let's talk about the award for a second um i will say that look i know you i know that you have a personality the people who watch your content know that um what i'm curious in is in your content because you're you're a great content creator you put it out there all the time you're a hard worker did you campaign did you do anything to to attempt to win this
3: I did campaign a little bit. It turns out if you try a little bit, um, you're way more alive than if you don't try. And I mean, over the last few years, I realized that a lot of people kind of viewed me as a poker robot. And so I try to do things to be more personable. Like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I have a morning show where I just wake up 9 a.m. and talk to my fans for an hour. And I, I, I think things like that and, um, you know, replying to every email that comes in, replying to every tweet, that kind of thing. Let's people realize that you're a real person and you're there and you're happy to help. But Yes, I did campaign a bit. I asked people to vote for me, and they did.
1: I think that that's uh, you know we we talk all the time uh, in poker about you got to put the work in. You gotta um, you gotta get get in the lab, do your studying, whatever. And of course, that certainly applies to poker. But I think, you know, for a lot of people out there who may not be aspiring to be professional poker players, I think you guys can sort of maybe take some advice from Jonathan also, who, you know, he is putting the work in there to to be a, a personality out there, to, to produce content. Um, and I think that that's a lot more of an attainable thing. Uh, for. There's a, probably a lot more people out there who could... Uh, take Jonathan's advice and sort of emulate him in that respect and not just apply it to poker, but apply it to whatever uh, sort of industry you're in. It, do you find, Jonathan, that you get out what you put into it work-wise?
3: I think you do, but it takes a while for the most part. I mean, if you look at any person who is successful in any sort of, I guess, um, you know, media front or marketing front or whatever you want to call it, they've very often been doing whatever they've been doing for quite a while. I mean, I've like had a poker training site for 15 years and I've been you know, helping my students win at poker for the last 15 years. And a lot of people come onto the scene, they think, all right, I'm just gonna become the, the biggest name in poker and they work hard for a year and then they're not there and they wonder, why am I not there? I've been working hard for a year. Whereas uh, it turns out you have to be doing it for significantly longer for the most part. And you have to stick with it. That said, I mean, you always have to ask, what are you trying to accomplish? I don't think that everyone needs to aspire to be a content creator. And I do think that there, well, I know there are plenty of people who are out there still going from being not so great at poker to winning at um you know live cash games, especially because those are still pretty soft. And you just have to ask what you're trying to accomplish in life. And I knew over the last three or four years, that I wanted to start having a family settling down a bit. And in order to do that, in order to make good use of my time, I needed to ramp up my content game. So I purposely did that, and so far things have been going great.
2: And I'm guessing that when people are voting in this category, they're thinking really about who is a good ambassador for the game, who's doing stuff that's trying to present a positive image of poker and is is trying to grow the industry. And I find what I find incredible, Jonathan, is how many channels you are across, from books to training sites, from podcasts to, to live Twitter streams. I mean, it's amazing how many bases you are touching.
3: Yeah, that's by design. <laughs> I realized that it's good to go where people consume their content. I mean, a, a big realization to me a while back was that people like audiobooks, for example. And I had never listened to an audiobook, a poker audiobook. And I thought, eh, you know, they they can just read my physical book. But then I was convinced to go in, sit down, record my audiobooks, and they were just wildly popular. And then I realized, huh, well, if they're there, maybe they are on YouTube and maybe they're on Twitter, maybe they're on Twitch, and you go to where the people are because people like consuming content and the way they like consuming it. And if you are not on that specific platform, then very often a lot of people just will not find you. So I do try to be everywhere and that is on purpose.
2: Yeah. But of course yeah. there, you can't apply the one size fits all approach. And I'm guessing you have to tailor what you do to each individual audience. You
3: certainly do. And that requires a bit of study. I mean, I've tried to figure out how to make good books and make good YouTube videos and whatnot. And you have to do a little bit of work when it comes to that. It's not just sit down and make content. It's also figure out what content is easily consumable on each platform. And and again, you know, I don't think that everyone needs to write a book or needs to be on YouTube, but if you... Of course they don't, Jonathan. Who's going to read your book if everybody's writing them? That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, yeah. Everybody stay out of the book game, please. Let, <laughs> let me just have that one. Uh, But, you know, you have to figure out what you actually want to do. And if you don't like writing, you know, don't write a book. Or if you don't like being in front of the camera, don't make YouTube videos. Do whatever makes you happy. And like when a lot of people do get into the content creation space, either as a coach or as a video blogger or whatever, very often they approach it from the idea of I am doing this to try to make as much money as I can. Whereas I always approached it from the point of view of I'm just going to do this because I like doing it. And I'm going to try to help people because I realized that I would certainly not be where I am today in poker if I didn't have the help of many, many people who helped me just, you know, purely for free because they wanted to help the next generation of poker player. Right. And inevitably, if you help enough people and, you know, help people better their lives, they will be more than happy to give back to you. But that takes time.
2: Now, I'm not done talking about the awards just yet because Joe and I just went through the runners and riders. We listed out all of the winners in the key categories, but, of course, we weren't there. So I'm interested, as someone who attended the event, what it was like. What was the atmosphere like? What was dinner like? Were a suitable quantity of drinks consumed? There were
3: lots of drinks consumed. Um, They did not have a dinner, but they had, uh, like, hors d'oeuvres before the show, and, and that was good. It was fine. It was nice. The food was great. The drinks were great. The company was great. There were a lot of people there from the poker Industry and poker players, it didn't necessarily look like it the way they filmed it, because it sort of had like a stage in the middle and then a bunch of tables on the left and on the right. And um, so, I mean, I was at table eight and I knew there were like at least 12 tables and each table had something like 10 people at it. So, you know, call it 100, 120 people, something like that were there. And um, it was a good time.
2: Yeah, it's weird. When you look at the video clips, if you were watching the live stream, it didn't look like a huge gathering. But as you say, I guess it's just where the cameras were positioned in relation to the attendees.
3: Yeah, it was actually kind of odd giving my speech because I was like looking forward. But then I realized I'm just like talking specifically to the camera, whereas I'm you know actually trying to talk to everybody else in the room. And they were on either side of me. So I kept like looking back and forth. It was it was a rather odd setup, but you know that's just the shape of the room because it's you know meant to be a place where people play poker tournaments, probably not necessarily like an auditorium.
1: Jonathan, did you do any jokes in your speech?
3: I did relatively few jokes in my speech. Um, I mainly just thanked everyone there for all of the hard work that they do to help the poker community. I actually was really sure I was not going to win at one point because up until my award, every time the person who won was about to go up, the camera person would run over to them and film them. Well, I was my, – my award came up kind of in the middle of the show. I wasn't even really ready for it. Then the camera crew runs over to Joe Ingram. I'm like, oh, well, I lost, obviously. And uh, then they said my name. So I was a little bit uh, surprised at that point in time and barely got a few sentences out. But I think I did well enough. That's a neat surprise.
2: He fell for the camera crew pump fake. I yeah, did. exactly. They,
3: it's like a reverse slow roll. I mean, I'll take it. I'm happy. You can slow roll me all day as long as I still win. Right. As long <laughs> as I'm
1: dragging the pot, I don't really care. <laughs> Jonathan, you mentioned uh, that, you know, you spread yourself kind of thin, at least over lots of different platforms and channels. Um, If you could just choose one and have your entire audience focus on, on only one aspect of what you do, so that way you could do less, would it be books? Would it be your video chats? Would it be your Instagram Live? What is it that
3: you enjoy doing the most? Mm, see, I kind of like mixing it up. I think that's part of the fun. That said, I, I use the word spread thin, but I don't think spread thin is an accurate description of what I specifically do because I do think a lot of people do spread very, Sorry, very I was, thin.
1: Sorry, I was actually talking about myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you're not spreading yourself thin. That's how I feel when I'm doing all the different things. Uh, but anyway, same question, less thin. Yeah, well,
3: I, I think it's important to actually not do anything thin because if you do stuff very thin it's just like know eh, you're there but you're not really trying that hard and if you're not really trying that hard all right, cut this part doing?
1: out cut this part out of the bro- yeah, I yeah. don't need people knowing that no I'm only kidding. <laughs> out. Need, Edit this, Edit this,
3: this question out, please. I
1: don't need people knowing that I'm phoning it in most of the time. So you're <laughs> saying you're 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 giving a full effort all the time.
3: Yeah, find stuff and go hard on it to the best of your ability. And so like I like YouTube a lot. That's a good way to get in front of a lot of people. If you actually make good videos and provide a lot of value, their algorithm does a good job of elevating whatever the good content is. I mean, if you log on to YouTube and you watch 20 videos, you're going to start getting very relevant videos on, on the sidebar, right? And YouTube does a good job of that. And I think that's a very, very strong platform. Obviously they've been having issues recently where they've been removing poker players content, but I sent them an email. They fixed my problems immediately. So, you know, maybe that's because I have a big following already, or maybe that's because they realize it was just clearly a mistake. I'm not sure, but maybe um, they
1: were realized that you were poker personality of the year.
3: Well, I wasn't the poker personality of the year yet, but maybe they knew it was coming. (laughs) Um, So I also like Twitter, but people may not realize this. I actually send out a ton of content through my email list. I have an email list following that is, you know, double or triple my other uh, social media platforms in terms of numbers. And that is where I send out things like a weekly recap, where I recap everything I've done over the course of the week, send out fun quotes, send out stuff about my family, send out discounts to my training site. So uh, if I had to pick one place where I aggregate all the content and make sure everyone gets it, it's definitely on my email list. And people can get on that by just going to pokercoaching.com and signing up.
2: The obvious question this leads to, though, Jonathan, is when do you actually find time to play poker?
3: Yeah. Well, so I have my two kids now, so I don't actually play a ton of poker anymore. Back in the day, I would play poker three weeks a month, pretty hardcore. And uh, now it's more like one week a month. But when I do go play for one week a month, I am playing a
2: lot. And See, that's still a lot to most people, right? Because the, you know, the average person is going to play poker live maybe once every six weeks, once every two months, whereas one week and four is still a decent volume.
3: Yeah, when I'm playing that one week and four, it's, you know, solid 12 hour or 16 hour days. So it's it's a lot. And and I don't I don't mind it. I like it. And that that's what I'm trying to do, because whenever I go to a tournament series and I may mean, have been doing this for a while now, I make a point to go to tournament series that have ideally a relatively high buy in main event and then a bunch of events on the side. And, you know, PokerStars events are, are great for that because they have a main event that with usually with a lot of satellite qualifiers in it. And then they also have a bunch of side events. So um, that's what I. those are the series I try to go to, especially if I'm going to be traveling decently far to go to them.
1: Uh, Jonathan, what sort of schedule do you have to keep to keep up with all this? Do, are you like a nine to five or you wake up, you're like, I know today I have to do a vlog. And then later uh, at 3 p.m. I have to write the email recap. Like, you know, when you work for yourself, it's easy to fall behind on these things. Do you have uh, a set, regimen for, for keeping up with everything?
3: So I basically work whenever my wife is at work. So she's gone from 9am until 6pm every day. Okay. And that is when I put in my work and I literally sit in my office from 9am till 6pm every day, grinding it out. And that is significantly more work than what most people do. And I mean, you say in terms of like getting behind, but I'm sitting here thinking about this. Like I actually have all of my routine work done until mid August because I want to make sure that I don't have to think about anything during the world series of poker. assuming I mean, they still have it. And, um, I, I, try to work very, very far ahead because I hate being behind and I really hate running into deadlines. Not
1: only would I recommend one of Jonathan's poker books, but I would recommend if he wrote a book on how to manage all of this and be a content creator, I would probably also recommend that because it's very impressive what you do, Jonathan. One last thing I want to ask you about before we get to the stupid game. Um, Are you watching Survivor this season?
3: I am watching Survivor. I love Survivor. It's a fantastic show. I've watched every episode, and I recently applied. So if if the producers are listening to this, please put me on. I would love if the producers listen
1: to this. How cool is it, though, that you're kind of on Survivor this season, though, a little bit? Are are you not?
3: I had, I believe, at least one second on the show. Did you have a second as well?
1: I did, yes. I got screenshots from people being like, "Uh, dude, this was on Survivor.
3: Yeah, funny enough, they... I actually had my voice on it for like half of a second. My wife said, "That's your voice." I'm like, "Yeah, that is my voice." Why would they not edit out my voice? Like, of <laughs> things you could have just easily edited out, <laughs> edited out Jonathan Little's voice. Um, so yes, uh, we we both have a second on Survivor, and that's pretty cool. Hopefully, that's not the closest we get to getting on it.
1: Well, I you know I know you're a big fan, and that's why we had you on that episode of the show with all those people. And I, not only am I surprised that we're on Survivor, but I'm surprised that the poker players alliance that they made while we were on that show together is actually kind of a big storyline this
3: season well it's currently wrecking them so uh (laughs) it it turns out people don't like it when you have many outside connections with everyone but it, it seems like the alliance is not cooperating so much spoiler alert um so maybe maybe they'll get together later we'll see
1: That might have been the end of it, but still, it was cool to see it there. Uh, Jonathan, uh, would you like to – one thing I have to give you credit for, I give you credit for a lot of things. Obviously, this whole thing has pretty much been me saying what a big fan I am. You also are great at playing along. Uh, Whenever I do a dumb joke on Twitter, I can always count on you to join in in the good way uh, and not the bad way. And I just want to say I appreciate that. I've got one more dumb joke for you to participate in. It's our stupid game. Uh, This week, our stupid game is called – Ooh, ah, just a little bit. Ooh, ah, a little bit more.
2: Nice Gina G reference.
1: Uh, And also Jonathan Little reference, obviously. Seven questions that all have an answer with the word little in it. But then I'm going to ask you for just a little bit more. So, for example, James is going to do the example for you. For example. Okay. What famous mouse character was created by E.B. White? Give me ooh, ah, just a little bit.
2: Well, that and I know this because I watched it recently again with my daughter, it's Stuart Little.
1: Great. So the second part of the question is, now give me ooh, ah, a little bit more who played Stuart Little in the 1999 movie adaptation.
2: Oh, that was, was it Michael J.
3: Fox?
1: Correct. Done.
3: There is literally no way I'm going to get any of these stupid questions right.
1: All right, let's see, Jonathan. Let's see. You're, you know what? You're good value. Question number one. <laughs> this constellation is one of the most easily identifiable. Give me, ooh, ah, just a little bit.
3: OK, so we have the Little Dipper. All right, I would have guessed a zero, zero for seven. But here we are, Little Dipper.
1: Correct. Now give me, ooh, ah, just a little bit more. What is the name of the constellation that encompasses it?
2: Ooh, don't know that one. Well, if it's
3: bigger, <laughs> is it the Big Dipper? Yay, the Big Dipper. There's I was unaware that it was in it, but OK, sure. I mean, that would have been my guess. Well, it was my guess. <laughs> okay, good. Two for two. Here we go. We're going to guess. Great.
1: Question number two. This historical battle is often called Custer's last stand. Give me ooh, ah, just a little bit.
3: It must be Little Bighorn.
1: That is correct. Now give me ooh, ah, just a little bit more. What was Custer's first name?
3: Ooh, I do not know. Was it uh George? I have no clue.
1: George is correct. I also would have accepted General. Nice. (laughs) Question number three. This PlayStation 3 game featured a main character named Sackboy. Give me ooh-ah just a little bit.
3: Well, I actually played a lot of PlayStation games. I'm not sure if I know this one. Hmm, I'm going to fail on this one. I don't know this one.
1: Uh, We were looking for Little Big Planet.
3: I have never heard of that game.
1: Now, hold on a second. You've got a shot at this one. Get, I'm going to give you a shot at the ooh-ah just a little bit more. What was the name of the sequel to Little Big Planet?
3: Little Big Planet 2.
2: Correct! <laughs> Genius. <laughs> Good guesswork there, Jonathan.
1: It's just it's just a little bit more. That's just all. a They're little just bit. A, it's just a little bit more. Well, Question number... much in that instance? Right, of course. But the answer is just a little bit more than the original answer. Question number four. The group of lovable scamps. This group of lovable scamps included members Alfalfa and Spanky. Give me ooh, ah, uh, just a little bit.
3: The Little Rascals.
1: The Little Rascals is correct. Now give me ooh, ah, uh, just a little bit more. Name one more Little Rascal. Did you name Alfalfa already? I did name Alfalfa. I know what you
3: said. Um... I have no clue, man. I'll give
1: you a hint. Okay. Oh, right.
3: Yeah, I'm trying to come up with that person's name. I've, that was the one I was <laughs> picturing. I, and I cannot come up with the name.
1: That was, bu- I would have accepted. Buckweed. Buckweed. All right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> give, give me B for the first letter, we'll find it. Froggy.
3: Okay, question number five.
2: You're not doing badly, by the way. By my calculations, you're six out of eight, and that's a winning score.
3: What do most people get? Do they, like, get a hundred or seven Sometime, out of seven?
1: No, usually it's zero to two. Oh, wow, we're crushing them. All right. Yeah. Question number five. Donnie and Marie Osmond are singers. Oh <laughs> they famously disagree on their choice of music. What type of music does one of them like? Give me ooh, ah, just a little bit. One of them is a little bit blank and the other one is a little bit blank.
3: I guess it's country, right?
1: Country is correct. Give me just a little bit more for the second one.
3: I think it's rock and roll.
1: It is rock and roll.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you had to help me on that one. Okay, good.
1: Question number six.
3: They used to play the Flamingo, I believe.
1: All the time. They just ended their legendary Flamingo run. If you didn't see it too late. Okay, question number six. This rapper and broadcaster's first album was called Beware of Dog. Give me, ooh, ah, just a little bit.
3: I don't know much about rap, so I guess we're going to go. I mean, there's a lot of littles in rap.
2: Um, I Beware. guess Lil
3: Bow Wow.
1: Lil Bow Wow is correct. Ooh,
2: rapper and broadcaster?
1: Yeah, he's a broadcaster, man. What does, does he broadcast? broadcast? I don't know. He's probably going to beat me next year in the awards, though. <laughs> um... <laughs> Now give me, ooh, ah, just a little bit more, or less in this case. What's his name now that he's all grown up?
3: Must just be Bow Wow, I guess.
1: Bow Wow is correct. (laughs) Final question. Question number seven. What is the name of the Simpsons dog? Give me ooh, ah, just a little bit.
3: Man, I don't know this one. Um. I have
1: no clue, man. We were looking for Santa's little helper. Yeah, did not.
3: Let's know see that. if
1: let's see if you can give me ooh ah just a little bit more. On which holiday did they get set, dog? Christmas. Christmas is correct, Jonathan Little. <laughs> you fared a little better than you thought you
3: would. Just a little bit.
2: Your final score: eleven out of fourteen. That is very impressive. That is
3: shockingly better than I
2: thought I would do after the first question, because I probably would
3: have blanked on Stuart Little, although my friends did try to pay me to name my children Stuart and
2: also Chicken.
1: (laughs) I just almost spit-tick. I was drinking water. That's so fucking
4: funny.
2: I could just imagine it. I could almost imagine a two plus two thread where people are trying to work out how much money it would take as a prop bet for you to name your kid Stuart.
3: (laughs) I think they would have given me like 5k for Stuart and like 50k for Chicken, but (laughs) my wife wouldn't take either of them. (laughs)
2: Jonathan, always a pleasure, congrats once again, much deserved, Um, keep crushing it, keep putting that stuff out there. Thanks for having me, you too. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's
4: Superfan versus Stakes.
2: Well, this is three out of four for superfans who obviously we want to welcome to the show, but I'm grateful (laughs) that they're not in the same country as us so that I don't get physically violent with them. Darren Curtis, hello.
4: G'day, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me.
2: You are welcome, I think. The key question is, Darren, (laughs) and and we've already shared our thoughts on this shit show of a movie, and we encourage you to listen to the start of the podcast when it's released tomorrow. Um, Did you pick this? because you like this film or are you just fucking with us?
4: A <laughs> uh, bit of both, actually. When I first saw it, a mate of mine asked me uh, what I thought of it and I just said off the cuff I thought it was all right. And so he um, mocked me mercil- mercil- mercilessly for, for years and every birthday and Christmas for a number of years he would send me a DVD copy of the movie. So, uh, <laughs> uh, But of course, uh, having rewatched watched it uh, twice over the last couple of days, I am now regretting my decision.
1: Wow, twice over the last couple of days, that is that is dedication. You know how they say that um, resentment is taking poison and hoping the other person dies. I feel like this is what you've done to us. Like you've subjected yourself to poison in the hopes that you would irritate me and James and well, you have, but you've also poisoned yourself.
4: But, of course, it's, uh, it's you guys that picked me, so, uh,
2: you know. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I have to take a lot of the blame here because for some stupid reason, I said yes to everyone and somehow scheduled Paul Hall Junkies, Hudson Hawk, and Battlefield yep. Earth within a four-week window, and I, I, I don't quite know what I was thinking. In some yeah. ways, though and I can't quite believe I'm saying this, I'm almost grateful for the fact that you did force me to watch this because it's an experience. I'll give you that.
4: (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is bad one but
2: yeah anyway as i said we have talked about this movie i know joe wants to forget it and as soon as this quiz is over he will wipe it from his brain he won't have much choice in the matter that's how his brain works but
1: <laughs> that's true, true i can
2: watch anything and forget about it
4: moments later
2: what is your story darren you're originally from new zealand and now in japan is that right
4: yep currently living in tokyo uh i am not in it i'm uh, Sort of semi-retired. I'm following my wife around the world. She's a principal at an international school here in Tokyo. Wow, that's and, cool. And uh, my spare time is uh, paying poker badly and uh, looking after a couple of uh, bits of property I've got in New Zealand, so that's about it.
1: I like how he said looking after a
4: couple bits of property.
1: I was expecting a couple of children, and he's like, <laughs> no, 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 dog, I have money.
2: More money in real estate than there is in children, that's for sure. That's right. Um, how is it? living in japan i know many people who visited tokyo who've said that they've never felt more foreign anywhere else in the world
4: oh i, I love the place it's uh, it's got a rugby culture a beer culture and a steak culture so uh three things very dear to my heart so uh, i just simply love the place i like this guy
2: <laughs> so darren we are going to give you the chance to win some all-important poker stars merch we have got 10, or rather I have got 10 multiple choice questions. There are bonus questions attached to some of these questions. You know how it works. Please give me a number between 1 and 10. Let's start with number 10. Let's start with number 10. Complete the quotation. Exterminate all man animals at will. And?
4: (laughs) Uh, It's something like uh, enjoy the hunting.
2: Would you like the multiple-choice options?
4: Uh, obviously, yes.
2: <laughs> Happy hunting. Uh. Don't spare the women. Use your weapon of choice. Eat their faces. <laughs> Happy hunting. Happy hunting for a point. And there is a bonus question attached. And this is simple. you got a 50-50 chance here. True or false? The story is an incoherent mess. <laughs> True. For a bonus point, and Joe, it's your question. Any number other than ten.
1: Uh it is always coming seven.
2: Number seven, what does Johnny say is the common language of the universe?
1: Mathematics.
2: Correct, for two points, and Joe, there is a bonus attached. The choppy editing and lack of continuity is beyond the amateurish. <laughs> True or false? True. Correct, for a bonus point, and you have the early lead. Darren. <laughs>
0: Yeah. What number uh, do I like next?
2: Number nine. Where in Texas is the military bunker?
4: Oh, uh, Fort, Fort Hood.
2: Correct. For two points. Joe, you can have anything other than seven, nine or ten.
1: Can I have question number three, please?
2: Question number three. In which city is the human processing center? Denver. Correct, for two points. Joe still has the one-point advantage as we go into the next round. One, two, four, five, six or eight? Eight. Question eight. How many days does Turl give the man-animals to mine gold? Uh, Fourteen. He does, for two points. And there is a bonus question attached. True or false? There is a grotesque (laughs) overuse of slow-motion, wipes and colour filters. True. Correct, for a bonus point.
1: Oh, I might have gone false there. I, I thought the use of wipes was actually five.
4: <laughs> all, all 100 of them.
2: Uh, one, two, four, five, or six, Joe?
4: Uh, you
1: know what? This movie is a gigantic deuce. <laughs> Give me number two.
2: Okay, you're going to like this one. Within the first 10 minutes of the film, Johnny screams. By the way, I was—I definitely was still
1: paying attention to the first ten minutes.
2: <laughs> Perfect, because this very much relates to the first ten minutes of the film. In that window, Johnny screams "no" in slow motion twice—not once, but twice. The first occasion is when he hears his father is dead. What makes him react like that the second time?
1: His horse gets shot.
2: Correct for two points. <laughs> Oh, uh, and we enter the penultimate round. One, four, now, hold five. Hold on a
1: second, James. To be fair, in Red Dead Redemption, when your horse died, did you scream no like that?
2: No, I cried. One, four, <laughs> five, or six? Six. Question number six How many wives does Kerr say he has to support? I'll well, take the options. Is it three, five, 17, or 48? It is five for a point. And there's a bonus question. True or false? The constant use of Dutch angles makes the viewing experience utterly nauseating and borderline impossible. True. Correct, for a bonus point. (laughs) Joe, four, five or one?
1: This movie is rated a one out of ten, so give me one.
2: What does Chrissy give Johnny for good luck?
1: Uh, Oh, she gives him that his mother gave her for some reason. What was Was it? it? A necklace, a pendant? I'll take the options.
2: Is it a picture, a necklace, a knife, or a potato? (laughs) A necklace. It is a necklace for one point. Going to the final round, I can tell you, Darren, you have a one-point advantage. It's 9-8. Four or five? Five. Five. What does Turl believe is man-animal's favorite food? Oh, red. Yes, for two points. And Joe, your final question. Question four. How many cycles is Turl told he has to spend on Earth as head of security? Fifty. Correct, which means it was close. But by one point, Darren, you have squeaked out a win. Eleven-ten is the final score. And I am going to give you the bonus question more as punishment than anything else please give me please give me your best impersonation of John Travolta aggressively asking Barry Pepper if he wants lunch uh, do you want lunch? You can do better than that come on Joe give me yours
1: aren't you hungry? Don't you want lunch?
2: I would have given you bonus points if you'd added a maniacal laugh at the end of the sentence. <laughs> So, Darren, congratulations. You have crushed at Battlefield Earth Trivia. I hope you're proud. Uh, oh, you it's... will receive not one but two T-shirts from the Poker in the Ears range. We will be in touch to get your details.
4: Awesome. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the show, too.
2: Thanks for coming on.
4: All right, my
1: babies. We're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up next week more stories the conclusion (laughs) of the making of the card counter i will be in fargo i will be far far away from mississippi the gulf coast
2: i was gonna say that is like two extremes right mississippi north dakota
1: Two extremes, same time zone, though. So, yes, but yes, way, way different places. Hopefully, North Dakota won't be frozen over. So, yeah, we'll have the stories from the last couple of days of the making of the card counter. Um, I did even get to spend a little bit of time last night at the bar with Willem Dafoe. What an absolute delight. I'll tell you guys all about him next week. Ryan Abbott will be joining us. He is our super fan. He's picked the 40 year old virgin as his specialist subject.
2: I would say I'm making amends, okay? And partly me, but also partly the films that people are picking. Coming up, 40-Year-Old Virgin, Blade Runner 2049, the original Ghostbusters. So now suddenly we come out of the slump and things are looking positive for the next few weeks.
1: Okay, yeah, absolutely. I, I remember like not loving the 40-Year-Old Virgin, but it is certainly no battlefield. <laughs>
2: I think it's a fun film of all those of all the movies in that
1: uh... it's definitely it's fine it's absolutely at worst it's fine it's uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again because I saw it during when I was pretty snobby about comedy so maybe I'll like it even better now uh, until then guys comment like subscribe remember if you want to be a super fan leave us a nice review wherever you download your podcast screenshot it use the hashtag poker in the ears that is how you get on the show as a super fan and pick something good Don't pick something shit. That's all I have to say about that. We are all out of time for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.